Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. That's why we're encouraging people to read your Bibles. Something amazing happens when you read the book by yourself. You begin to build a relationship. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is going to be your teacher, right? And as you read your Bible, and you're like, I don't understand this. You go back and you pray. God, I'm, help me understand this. And you pray for the Lord to give you understanding. Lord, help me make sense. This makes sense. And you go back and, and you labor over it with the Lord. The Holy Spirit will begin to give you. He'll illuminate the word. And he'll make it understandable. You'll understand things that, that you didn't catch on the surface. Um, that's his job. The Bible is a tool for everyone to understand Jesus and God better. You do not need any formal education, an important religious teacher, or the knowledge of a different language to learn what is in the pages. Pastor Bill reminds you that the only thing necessary for you to receive insight into the Word is for you to be in it. Read your Bible every day and spend time with the Holy Spirit. He will be your teacher and will help you see lessons important to your specific circumstances. Just get in the Word. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Galatians chapter 4 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. They want you to be zealous for what they do. And like I told you guys earlier, Jesus said, you guys travel the earth to make one proselyte. And when you do, you make him twice the son of hell that you are. Verse 18, he says, but it is good to be zealous in a good thing always and not only when I am present with you. He says, being zealous is not bad if it's for the right thing. Verse 19 Paul tells him again, he speaks very tenderly to them. My little children for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. And I want you just to hear Paul's heart. Paul's like, I'm, I'm my little child. I'm laboring in birth. Now, I've never given birth, but I've seen birth and it is labor. Paul says, I'm, I'm laboring intensely for you guys. I, I want you guys to get this. I want to see Christ formed in you. That's his goal. That's his heart. And I want you to know, Paul, I don't want I don't want to be formed. I want Christ to be formed in you. I want you guys to receive Christ. That's what I want you to understand who he is and what he's done for you and receive that in truth. Verse 20, I would like to be present with you and now to change my tone for I have doubts about you. And that's kind of, you know, a a pivotal verse. Paul says, I wish I could be with you guys and I wish I could change my tone, but I have doubts about you guys. And. Again, I would just put this likeness to parents and any parent here that's had to be corrected with your kids. I don't think any parents enjoy that. Uh, no parent enjoys having to take the disciplinary tone. Uh, I, I tend to have fun with my kids. We joke, we play, we have a good time. But when it's time for discipline, it's like, I don't enjoy it, but I will do it. And you got to sit down and we're talking and you see their faces. My kids cry when I, you know, they look all sad and disappointed because I'm talking to them and they know I'm not happy with what they're doing. And I don't enjoy it. I don't sit there. I got you crying now. Ooh, you know, I'm sitting there like, I don't like that. I wish you would just do right so we could not be having these kind of difficult discussions. Now, hear what I'm saying and take it and do it so we can stop this. You know, Paul is saying, look, I wish I could change my tone. I don't I don't enjoy talking to y'all like this. I don't want to write a book of correction to you guys. But I'm not going to shut up till y'all get it right because it's that big of a deal. And then he says, maybe the more critical part, Paul says, look, I have doubts about you. I'm not sure where you guys are. I'm not positive. I have doubts. I don't want to have doubts. I want to be sure, but I have doubts about you. And in the past, when you do funerals, sometimes you do funerals for people that have lived so fruitfully for the Lord that you feel confident to just share their life. Their life almost preaches itself. 
you know, there's, there's not doubt. You can give the family all the hope of, you know, all the promises given to those that die in faith. They're with the Lord. No sorrow, no suffering, no pain, no tears. You know, they're with Jesus. You know, you give them all these different things that we don't sorrow as those who have no hope. They have, you know, they have hope. They're with the Lord. But sometimes you do a funeral for someone and it's like, I don't know. Ask the family, hey, do they know the Lord? Ah, you know, we shared with them. Hmm. We have doubts. And it's a different thing because I can't, I'm not going to lie. I just, what, what I typically do in those days, I'll just preach the gospel to the people that are there. I can't speak on their life. I don't know. There, there's, there's room for doubt. So I would challenge us that we would live in such a way. Uh, I'm, I'm not hoping that anybody dies anytime soon. I hope y'all all live to be really, really, really old or to the rapture. But, you know, <laughs> if that be, bar that, right, that I pray that we would live in such a way that if we die, people would be able to say, I know that they're with the Lord. Confident. Um, because it gives great hope to those left behind. Uh, it's the only hope that they can have that you're with the Lord. That they'll see you again. Um, and so uh, Paul says, man, I have doubts about you guys. And he didn't want to have doubts, but he had them. I have doubts. It's not clear where you guys are at. What's going on? Verse 21. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? And from this point, Paul goes on to uh, share a story from the Old Testament. I'm going to tell it to us so that when we read it, it kind of makes sense. Paul says there's a story in the Old Testament of Abraham and the two sons that he had. And he, he says in this scenario here that they're a picture of what we're looking at here. So uh, God told Abraham he was going to bless him. He was going to have a son that through this son, the multitudes are going to be blessed. Uh, it was taking a long time for this son to come. And so Abraham's wife, Sarai, suggested that he go into her handmaiden, Hagar, right? You guys familiar with this story? You guys know it's all right? So he went into Hagar and they had a son. His name was what? Ishmael. That was not the promised son. That, that was not what God intended. That was a work of the flesh. That was them saying, God, you're taking too long. We're going to help you out. And boom, they made Ishmael. God said, that's not what I promised. Much later... When God was good and ready, when it was going to be an absolutely supernatural work of God alone, God touched Abraham, who was old, too old, the Bible says. He touched Sarai, who was old and her womb was barren, and he touched her womb. And they came together in their old, old age, and they had a miracle child named Isaac. That was the son of promise. Here's the difference. The son of the flesh, who, who made that happen? They did in their own. They, they conjured it up. They made a plan. They made it happen. They did this in their own strength and they brought them about here. What we did. God said, that's the, the works of the law. It's what you did. Not good enough. Over here, the son of promise, Abraham was too old. That means that he was no longer in function to go make a baby with his wife. Right. Follow what I'm saying? All right. <laughs> Sarah had already been barren, so it was like everything was broke. Everything was against this, and God touched him, and God touched her. I don't know how they knew that have a romantic night, but they came together at, at, you know, was 190. I mean, I hope at 190. I mean, praise the Lord. You know, They came together at 190. That was miraculous. I mean, a 90-year-old pregnant woman. That whole pregnancy had to just have the community like, are you kidding me? Look at come here. They were rubbing that belly. I mean, that had to be the most awesome. And who, who would get all the glory for that? God. They just walk around, Sarah, she's pregnant. God, this is what God promised. God said, and when that baby was born, 
I, there had to be a celebration like no other celebration. That look at look at him. This is a 90-year-old woman of promise that God promised. And I'm bet he was loved and just they were so thankful. And then they would do a big celebration when a child was weaned. And so on Isaac's time to be weaned, they had the big celebration. And this kid's a big deal, and everybody's celebrating what God did. But Ishmael was looking and he mocked him. And Sarah saw it. Sarai saw it. And she told, I, she told Abraham, get that woman and her child out of here. He should have never had two women with babies in the first place. Uh, that never works. Anytime that's ever happened, it doesn't work. But she said, they got to go. And so now, let's, with that background, let's read this. It'll make a lot of sense that we have that in our minds, right? So verse 22, he says, but it, it is for it is written in verse 22 that Abraham had two sons. The one son by the bondwoman, the other by the free woman. So one from Hagar, one from Sarai. But he who was of the bondwoman, Ishmael, was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman through promise. Which things are symbolic? Now, this whole story is symbolic of what's happening right here. For these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which is the law, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar, um, for Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. So remember, Hagar was uh, Sarai's servant, like her slave. And so she was in bondage and she had the son Ishmael in bondage and they cast her away. Abraham was married to Sarai with legitimate wife uh, who had the son that God promised through supernatural means, no, nothing of man involved, just God supernaturally bringing it about. And so he said, look, Ishmael represents the work of the flesh, the, the law. The law represents the person doing your very best in your own strength, but it's never good enough. Anybody here that's ever tried in your own strength, you know that you can't do it. Um, and anybody here that's made promises to yourself, you know, I, I made a commitment. I'm never going to. Anybody ever said you're never going to do something again? <laughs> And then did it again and again and again and again. That's that's our flesh. The flesh just can't do it. So imagine if in order to get saved, it was dependent upon our flesh. Who could be saved? How, how many times have we failed? And big things and little things. We, we failed. Our flesh is weak. The spirit indeed is willing, but what? The flesh is weak. And so if it was dependent upon me or dependent upon you, we wouldn't make it. That's what he's getting at. He said, look, you, you keep going back to the law like you could keep it anyway. The law, the law just demonstrates that you can't. Now, what we want to do is get over here in the promise area where God says, look, I'm going to do it. Abraham's like, but God, I can't do it right now. I, I got you. I'm going to do it through you. Sarah's like, but I've never been able. I'm going to do it through you. And then God does everything to make it happen. And he keeps his promise. Now, isn't it better to receive a promise than to, than to work and fail? And that's what Paul is comparing. He's like, why would you? Why would you choose over here to work and fail? And even on your best day, it's just a work of the flesh that God won't honor. Right. Remember, God, remember, Abraham tried to tell God, he's like, look, just just receive this son. And God said, no, that's not, not the son of promise. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to put my hand on that. I'm, I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. Our works are as filthy rags. Right. And if you look it up in the Hebrew, it it literally means a used menstrual cloth. So when it says my righteousness is as filthy rags, God is disgusting. The best you could offer is disgusting. So, so don't even offer it. 
Don't even go there. Don't even be self-righteous. Don't even work for it. Go ahead and receive what I'm extending by grace. Forgiveness and mercy through Jesus Christ for, for all that would believe and receive it. Um, and again, I read that and I think it's, it's a much better message and it's a much better offer. Um, and however they were deceived into turning into Judaism or legalism and Paul's having to come correct them, we want to be careful that we don't allow anybody to turn us. Um, and I guess the only way for us to guard against that, we've said it each week, is that we be people that are familiar with the word for ourselves, uh, that when people are adding or people are you know, saying things that aren't true, we have to look them up. We have to be able to go to the word and say, you know what, I, I got I to be a Berean about that. I've talked to lots of people that have come out of cults or really restrictive groups. And it's like, what verses are they using to say that? I, you know, I've, I've learned that over the years. When you challenge someone that's telling you something that's from the word and you say, well, where in the Bible is that? They could go and say, look, right here, read that chapter and verse. But I've talked to people that couldn't qualify what they were saying. And they'll say something like this. It, it's all over the Bible. I've literally talked to a pastor that made a statement in a Bible study that offended someone. He, he made a statement in a Bible study that that people weren't supposed to be married interracially. And I had the guy that led me to the Lord was in an interracial marriage who went to that Bible study with me. His, he's black. His wife is Filipino. Pastor said this. And so he went up and said, well, where are the verses at that say that? He said, it's all throughout the Bible. And he said, could you show me one? And he said, well, hold on. Let me finish what I'm doing. And then he blew him off and he blew him off. He says, I'll, I'll give it to Bill. Give it to you later. So I went to him and said, hey, my friend is looking for those verses. And he blew me off. You know why? Because there were none. There were none. If you just listen indiscriminately and say, well, my pastor said, which a lot of people are free to do, like they like to do. The pastor said, I'm not I'm not encouraging you to be. A, I don't want y'all walk around talking about Bill said. You know, I really don't. I'd rather you because I, I may not always be your pastor. I want you to know what Jesus said. And if I said it, you should be able to go find it and say, no, it was, he gave the reference. It's right here. So never mind who said it. God said it. It's right here. That's what you want to. That's what you can stand on. The word of man has got to be lightweight to us. We have to be able to blow it off. Man can't be trusted. Amen. Every false teacher, every false teaching has come through a man. Um, and so. We need to be people that go back to the book and say, you know what? I, I listen to him, but I, I check it back. That's how I determine whether I will listen to a teacher or not. Um, I will take a book that I've studied thoroughly and then I will listen to someone teach you that book that I've already studied thoroughly. And some guys I listen to and I'm like, man, they're saying things that I'm that I didn't catch it. But as I go back and look it up, um, so I find that those people are deeper than me in their study. I'm interested in hearing from them. I'm growing by listening to them. I've heard other people that I'm listening to a book that I've studied and I'm like, that's not what that word means. That's not what that's talking about. And you're just going through it like I, I don't I won't listen. I can't listen. I wouldn't encourage people to listen to them and I wouldn't listen to them indiscriminately. Now, now my, all my all my antennas are up because it's like you're just making this up as you go. You're just saying whatever you want to say with it. There are people that are doing that, you guys. And so I'm responsible. You're responsible to know the truth. To get into the word. That's why we're encouraging people to read your Bibles. Something amazing happens when you read the book by yourself. You begin to build a relationship. Who The Bible says the Holy Spirit is going to be your teacher, right? And as you read your Bible, you're like, I don't understand this. You go back and you pray. God, I'm, help me understand this. 
And you pray for the Lord to give you understanding. Lord, help me make sense of this. This makes sense. And you go back and, and you labor over it with the Lord. The Holy Spirit will begin to give you. He'll illuminate the word. And he'll make it understandable. You'll understand things that, that you didn't catch on the surface. Um, that's his job. And if you, if you never cultivate that and you're only dependent upon men teachers, people that teach you, then how do you ever discern? It's, it's just it, your whole relationship with the Lord is based on what he said. The, the greater part of what you need to be receiving is from the Lord. What messed up the Galatians is that they were listening to man above what God had said. Um, and now they have so received what man said, they were having a hard time going back to what God said. And that can happen um, where, you know, we latch on to something and it's like now I'm at odds with what God says because what they said made sense or it rang true or I liked it or whatever, whatever reason I received it. Um, be careful. I, my heart's desire is that we would be a people that know the truth because the truth will set us free. It'll free us up from false doctrine, from false teachers from people that are trying to get in your pockets. Um, there are whole ministries that exist for the purpose of getting from people as much as they can get from people while giving to them very little. Every message is about money. I mean, when you read the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, money is talked about, but it's not the message. It's not. When I look at the message of scripture in its totality, that can't be every Sunday. There's so much more God wants to talk about. Amen. Amen. And so um, it'll free us up to, to know God. Again, I believe as we go through the whole Bible, uh, we get a balanced view. There are things that I would never have chosen to teach on that I've taught on because we're just going through the book. For you guys that were with us through the book of Leviticus, it happened It happened many times that I said, I, I, I would never have chose to study a message and prepare a message and come before a body of people and teach this message other than the fact that we just came upon it and it's, it's there. And I won't even say what some of them are, but I, I sat, I laughed at God. I said, guys, this is, you got a sense of humor, you know, but I'm going to go ahead and teach the whole thing. There are things that we cover that, you know, wouldn't necessarily, I, I could never see planning a topical study on some of the stuff that comes up in there. So moving on, uh, we're going to close this up now. It says in verse um, 27, for it is written, this is a quotation from Isaiah 54, verse one. Rejoice, O barren, you who do not, you who do not bear, break forth and shout. You who are not in labor for the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. And in verse 28, now we brethren as Isaac was our children, of, our children of promise. And so um, that quotation here from Isaiah is being referenced here that the person that was barren um, is going to break forth and shout you who are not in labor. Uh, the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's, it's showing the division between the people of the children of Ishmael um, and his his lineage and what would come through promise. And so it says in verse 28, now we brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. This is the covenant that we're under. We're children of promise. Verse 29, but but as he who was born according to the flesh, then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, even so it is now. So in the same way that Ishmael, who was born of the flesh, persecuted Isaac, the son of promise. Paul is saying that's what's happening now that the, the, the Jews, the Judaizers are persecuting you guys. Um, you guys who are born according to the promise. You guys that have received the gospel through Jesus Christ. Verse 30. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, 
For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. That they're not going to be heirs together. You're not going to have the, the law and the promise mixed up. Two separate covenants. This one is done away with. Now we're to be children of promise. We can only receive what God is offering through faith in Christ, not through the works of the law. Verse 31. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. And so we are the children of promise. And as we wrap this up, the, the couple of things I'd like to, I guess, closing admonitions to us. I've um, already said I, I do want to uh, encourage us to be people that are in the word, uh, that we would be free from some of the things that some of the lies that are told. And when I say be in the word, I don't mean listening to sermons and I don't mean reading commentaries or reading books about the word. I mean, you, Holy Spirit, Bible, you, Holy Spirit, in the Bible, developing that relationship between you and the Lord is critical. Every believer needs to do so. Also, um, as just as a church, I realize that there are some Christian churches that have legalism in them. And my heart is that we wouldn't be that. I'm hoping that we understand the gospel, that those of us that are saved know that, that there's nothing for us to glory in but the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. That none of us are better than anybody else. Uh, we may be at different places in our journey. Some of us are just getting going. Some of us have been going for a while, but none of us are a big deal. Who's the big deal when we gather? Jesus. That's always going to be that way. I'm not a big deal. The worship team is not a big deal. The people that serve in different places are not a big deal. Jesus is always the big deal. We're all recipients of his grace and mercy together. And I believe if we can keep it that way, then we're not competing with one another. We're not trying to outdo one another. We're all free to hear from the Lord and to serve him as he calls and leads us. And God will have different things for each of us. And so I would point this out that for some of us, the Lord may lead you in such a way that said, you know, you have freedom to do things that maybe other people don't. Uh, so when we met Monday night, some of the guys, some of the brothers enjoy sports. Some guys would say, no, nah, it used to be like an addiction. So I don't do it at all. Now we leave that alone. For the brothers that can enjoy sports, we don't put a we don't put a thing on. We don't something that you watch the football game. How many hours was it? Well, you know, we don't we don't do that to them because they have the liberty to do that. Amen. But I also wouldn't come to the brother that says, man, the Lord told me not to because I get too into it. And, you know, it, it turns into fantasy football and then I'll be gambling and then I'll be missing work and I'll be up late. You know, for the brother that says I'm not supposed to do it. We don't tell him, man, you should do that anyway. Everybody else, this you. We, we leave there's, there's liberty both ways. You guys see what I'm saying? We don't make him feel bad. You're free to say, I'm not messing with it. You know, I, I feel called to do something else. Cool for you. That's you. This brother feels free to do. Cool for him. And we leave that alone. We're, we don't get involved in what God is speaking to individual people, right? Because I can't find a Bible verse that says, thou shalt not watch, you know, football game, you know, or, or thou shall watch the game or whatever. So it's, it's one of those areas. And so we want to we want to be careful about um, hearing from the Lord for ourselves and understand that everybody's different. There are things that God has told me not to do that. I realize there are people around me that that God haven't told them that. So I, there are things I don't preach that are my convictions for me, but I don't put it upon you guys. I don't think it's for everybody. It's for me. That's another form of legalism where, where we can. Everybody has to see it your way. They don't. There are some things that we all come together on because the Bible says it for everybody. Right. Uh, the Bible says everybody don't lie. So that's not. Well, I got the liberty to lie. No, you don't. 
You know, no, you don't. That's you know this that you know there are things that this is for everybody. We know it. It's in the book. It's written in black and white. We all ex- accept this. But there are areas of liberty where we would say, hey, if, if you feel free, you know, the Lord's liber- liberating you, and you feel like you shouldn't. Everybody here is free to pursue the Lord. The goal is we want to make sure we're pursuing the Lord without distraction, without hindrance. Amen. Galatians 2.20 tells us, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The Apostle Paul wrote this to show how his life had been turned upside down because of the power of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Jesus came to change lives all over the world, and he's able to change yours too. If you think your past is too terrible to forgive, that's simply not true. Just look at Paul's life. He was far down the wrong path, but an encounter with Jesus changed that. Maybe you encountered Jesus today while you were listening. Are you ready to take the next step? He's ready. We'd love to talk to you more. Would you give us a call or send us a text? You can reach us at 310-245-4811. That's 310-245-4811. We'll get back in touch with you as soon as we can. You're invited to join us for church this weekend, too. We can't see you face-to-face quite yet, but we'll be live streaming our service at 9 a.m. this Sunday on YouTube Live, Facebook Live, and Instagram. Find out more at our website, calvaryinglewood.org. While you're there, you'll be able to explore more teachings from Pastor Bill's series through the Bible. Find out all about this ministry and Calvary Chapel Inglewood. That website, one more time, is calvaryinglewood.org. That's all for today, and thanks for tuning in to A Transforming Word. Transforming Word.